You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. I'm already breaking things today. We're getting the week started off right. Trying to mess with my mic, as I often do. Come in, try to mess with the mic, and there's different things going on. I'm still trying to figure out my way around the studio that Doug has built extremely well, except that some of the equipment has been over 10 years old, and I decided to put this piece of equipment out of its misery today. It was the film that goes over the mic to make sure that I'm not as pee-poppy, and so I might be a little pee-poppy today. It's a pop filter. As, as much as Doug likes to say it, so I'm going to try to keep my distance from the mic and try not to break anything else. The Hornets... Try not to break their playoff chances, and we'll see if they're able to do so. Segway. But yep, it's uh, look, we went on a pretty nice little roller coaster yesterday. Five thirty-eight had the Hornets listed at I think three percent before the yesterday before the game against the Pistons yesterday, and everything else that took place in the NBA. I checked right after the Pistons game; it jumped up to thirty-four percent. Whoa! And then so then we were starting to cook a little bit. We all had one more thing that needed to go in our favor, and it was the Orlando Magic needing to fall to the Boston Celtics. I saw Hornets Twitter really have an internal conflict and finding themselves pull for the Celtics. Did not want to do so. That also means pulling for Kyrie Irving, and a lot of Kimball Walker fans don't like to pull for Kyrie, and just a lot of people don't like to pull for Kyrie in general because of the way that he's acted off the court this season. But a lot of Hornets fans, for one night at least, they were Boston Celtics fans, and sure enough, the Celtics find a way to let you down once again. Orlando wins. It's a little close at the end, but a couple fouls come the way of the Orlando Magic. They're able to hit their free throws, eventually put that game on ice. And so we go from a 3% chance, according to 538, to a 34 after the Pistons game, all the way back down to 12 after the Magic end up losing. And so now you're looking at a chance. It's been crazy. I joined Josh Lloyd of Locked On NBA yesterday, and it was actually right before the Boston Magic game that took place. And so it looked like we were all feeling pretty good, including myself. I mean, I think it was pretty fair to vet. I think it was fair to guess that the Boston Celtics would end up beating the Magic at home, even though it's been a rough season. But now what you need to happen is the Detroit Pistons to either lose one of their games against the Memphis Grizzlies or the New York Knicks. Yikes. And the Hornets have to win both of the games at the end of the season. But based on what we saw from the Detroit Pistons against the Charlotte Hornets, I'm somewhat encouraged that that a feisty, spoilery Memphis team, or even the New York Knicks... Spoilery. Probably not the New York Knicks, but at least the Memphis Grizzlies would have a shot at taking down the Detroit Pistons, who just look discombobulated, looked really miserable. Some of the players out there, including Blake Griffin just didn't look like they even wanted to be out there playing anymore. Blake Griffin was extremely upset at a lot of foul calls at the end of that game, and also he did not look 100% even close to it. He settled for a lot of three-point shots in this game. 11 of his 18 field goals were three-point shots. You could see when he would come out of a timeout, Eric Collins brought this up as well, you could see that he was walking a little gingerly. He didn't look 100%. And again, that's why you could tell he settled for a lot of outside Jays. Only four rebounds for Blake Griffin. 
four assists and four turnovers, you could see how frustrated he was. And with Blake Griffin obviously not being 100%, you're right. Maybe that is some reason to hold out hope that the Detroit Pistons can lose one of these games. Of course, the Hornets have to take care of business against the Cavaliers and then eventually the last game of the season against the playoff-bound Orlando Magic under Steve Clifford for the first time since 2011-2012. Is it just me, or does Blake Griffin's leg remind you of Rob Gronkowski's arm? Like, it's more machine than man. I think that's a perfect example. I absolutely <laughs> thought the same thing. And it is, it's wrapped up so heavily. It looks like somebody that should be putting that leg up. It's, it looks like he should be in the hospital. And he's out there trying to play a basketball game. <laughs> That's a perfect example. It, it's Rob Gronkowski's arm. He retired and he gave it, and Blake is using Rob's arm as a leg right now. And they keep saying, well, Blake Griffin has changed. Excuse me. I'm a little excited. Easy. Knock my, see, I'm like you now. I'm going, now I'm going through radio puberty. It's all right. I'm here for you. I feel like a lot of people are talking about Blake Griffin changing his game, shooting three-pointers, but he does not look like a player that really – is loving his style of play. And some of the three-pointers that he shot uh, for Detroit were just sort of one-on-one, nobody under the basket, ready to go. Andre Drummond, I mean, that's your biggest matchup plus in this game if you're the Detroit Pistons is Andre Drummond versus a slim front court for the Charlotte Hornets because you're missing Marvin Williams and his physicality. You're missing Cody Zeller and his size. And what they're throwing out there against you is Miles Bridges and Frank Kaminsky. Now, Biombo was out there for a little bit, but he be- he sort of became a liability late in the game offensively. So if you're Andre Drummond, you know, if they just drive the ball just a little bit more and give you some more second-chance opportunities, Detroit may have been able to stay in that game. And I wonder, especially with their late run that they had, you just wonder how much Blake Griffin's health was a factor in him just subconsciously not wanting to do it. 11 threes is a lot, so he averages about six per game, seven actually this year. He averages seven per game, so it's not like four is a lot more, but of the 18, if you're taking well over 50% and Blake is taking that many, I just wonder how much that was in his own head and I'll say this credit to some of the young guys for the Charlotte Hornets including Dwayne Bacon who were obviously getting into Blake Griffin's head they were being physical with him and and they were smiling There's a couple times I think you saw Miles Bridges do yeah. get physical with and, and they were smiling Blake. on their way back down the court uh, I absolutely know what player I even I can reference one play where Miles Bridges is talking to Blake Griffin as he's audibly yelling at the refs you can even hear some of the court mics pick it up I couldn't make out exactly what he said but you could hear that he was yelling Miles Bridges is on the foul line on the lane right he's about to they're about to box out as soon as the shot goes up and he's kind of talking to him a little bit now I don't know exactly exactly what Miles is saying because I think we've seen Miles be pretty respectful to a lot of veterans this season that's been a thing that Miles has done as a rookie but against Blake Griffin at least you could see him I don't know if it was trash talking but he was definitely talking to Blake as they were getting ready to box out and he was certainly upset with whatever foul call that just was taking place so it's interesting to see and real quick on a side note I've always thought Blake Griffin's evolution in the NBA the last three four years it's been interesting to me you look at that 2016-17 year with the Clippers that's the first time that he ever took two three-pointers per game in a season and he was hitting 34 percent and you know this guy that comes in primarily as a dunker slash post scorer that had some moves you know 34 percent is respectable you know go outside and hit a couple of those I think that puts the defense just in that much more of a trouble spot and then you look at the next season so 2016-2017 he goes all the way up to two and then 2017-2018 
you have him go up all the way to five and a half. So one year difference, you're taking three, three and a half more per game. And now you're up all the way to seven for Blake Griffin. Just I always thought that evolution was interesting and he's been able to hit him. I think it's been a successful evolution. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, there are times in that game when Detroit was moving the ball effectively and finding Blake Griffin open from beyond the arc. And those were good opportunities for Detroit where Detroit went wrong is when Blake Griffin would sort of go one-on-one, try to drive, couldn't do it, probably because of the leg, and then would just hoist up a, a really bad three-point attempt, in my opinion, and and really put his team at a disadvantage, ultimately, because those long rebounds were being taken by the Hornets in, and turned into transition points. Another game where a big guy destroys the Hornets, as you kind of have been alluding to here, with Andre Drummond getting 23 rebounds. We've seen a lot of 17, 20, 23 rebound games against the Hornets this year. They've been a bad rebounding team. And when you get a guy like a Capella, like a Nurkic, who was healthy at the time they played, like a Drummond, you see these guys go for big rebound numbers. And Drummond was no different in yesterday's contest. But the big difference in, in some of the previous contests where Andre Drummond has really been able to affect the game is that the Hornets only gave up 19 second chance points and were able to turn eight offensive rebounds of their own a lot by shout out to Bismack Biombo who was doing his best to not put, bad from him huh absolutely not no he was giving them everything he had it's been they, quite different from what we've seen from him <laughs> he was, was ca- I mean he was yeah. catching the basketball he was you know Nick Batum he caught to, it yeah Biz was catching basketballs out there that's and, all the need from Biz yeah and uh the Hornets ended up with 16 second chance points so only a three-point advantage for the Detroit Pistons and that to me that has to be where you win the game if you're Detroit especially once their three-point shooting dried up Lamb with a quiet good game. I feel like Lamb had been somebody that had been very loud with his good games, especially what we just came off of with his other Toronto Raptors victory, which we haven't talked about here yet. But Lamb is a Raptor killer, as we've seen the last couple of games. And then you look at this Spock score a little bit more. Frank Kaminsky, 24 points, 9 of 17 from the field. Kaminsky is taking a lot of shots and hitting a lot of shots. But having a huge problem for the opposing defenses. I mean, he's been very good. And we'll talk a little bit more about what we saw from the Charlotte Hornets this weekend after we take a quick break. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Got to talk about Frank. This is Locked On Hornets. Charlotte, How you- strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around if you have a smart device in your car? And more and more of you do now. Tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Locked On Hornets and make drive time LOH time. As we alluded to, heading into the break, Frank Kaminsky has been very good. Certainly the last three games, the guy's been taking a ton of shots. He has been hitting at a high frequency. And Doug, I know you got some stats, especially from cleaning the glass. And I remember my first experience with cleaning the glass was about last year. In fact, you introduced it to me a little bit as it was starting to get bigger. And I love the premise, you know, excluding all of the garbage time stats from these players. We looked at Frank. There was a stretch where Frank was actually playing pretty well last season. I remember going to check that out on cleaning the glass, and it was like, nope, it's still all garbage time from him. Like all of his good field goal percentages, it came in meaningless basketball. Is cleaning the glass actually a friend of Frank Kaminsky right now? This season, cleaningtheglass.com is a friend 
to Franklin the Tanklin. Points per shot attempt is a stat that I really like to look at here on cleaningtheglass.com. And right now, they have him at a 117.9. That's up from last season's 108.1. That puts him in the 58th percentile among bigs, so that's better than average. He had been no better than 28th percentile in the previous three seasons. And where is that points-per-shot attempt production coming from? It's not coming from the three-point line, where he's actually down percentage-wise from last season. It's his two-point percentage, up 55.7% from 45.2% last season. That was a, a low for him. Now he's in the 56th percentile among bigs. Again, just a little better than average. And and that has allowed his effective field goal percentage to rise. And he's just and that that passes the eye test because he's been a lot been able to use some of these like old man moves, Walker. I mean, are you appreciating this sort of old school game that he's putting on some dipsy doos in the lane? Well, I used to not because they wouldn't ever go in. This would be the time where Frank Kaminsky he would go in and because he's not fast enough to avoid contact, there'd always be somebody there. He'd he'd kind of do the Tyler Hansborough shot where he gets fouled and he throws one up over his left shoulder with his right hand, and then they find a way sometimes to go in, but not enough for that to be effective basketball. Right now, that same shot is enough to be effective basketball and so do I appreciate it sure when the ball's going in the hoop I'm always going to appreciate it how about these for your last three games these stats for you so looking at his game log and try to do this on the fly I can't find a game this season where Frank Kaminsky has had 13 field goal attempts or more so we go all the way back and he has not the last three games Mm -hmm. he's had 13 field goal attempts or more none prior to the New Orleans Pelicans game and every single one since that has been 13 or more. Remember against the Toronto Raptors, he told Ashley Shamity that that's the most times I may have ever shot in an NBA game was 19, and he made eight of those field goals, shot 17 against Detroit. The guy is averaging 30 minutes the last. I mean, who is this? Who is this guy? Go, go, Frank Zilla. Frank I mean, Zilla is wreaking terror on the NBA right now. I It's amazing to see him go for three straight 20-point games. Look, a lot of people do not like Frank Kaminsky. A lot of he's been the butt of a joke for a long time. Not sure he cares anymore. It well, and how different is that? We know from him that his confidence was shaky. This was nothing that we were speculating about. We heard it from Godzilla's mouth himself. And so for Frank Kaminsky to come in and be a lot more confident, like he's always been a dude that likes to joke. But after games, I don't know if we always heard that. As as funny as he is, as much of a character as Frank Kaminsky is and everybody knows it, I don't know if you saw that a whole lot in interviews post-game. We're starting to see fun character Frank Kaminsky at the end of these games. He's been joking around now that he's getting double-digit shots and actually making these. His confidence, at least... This is all. This is all. Spe- uh, what I'll speculate about. His confidence right now is speculate. something that I've never seen before from him. And so Frank Kaminsky, look, Doug, he's playing worth the four and a half million dollar qualifying offer. And at this point, oh, yeah. you you make that offer to him. You only got two more games. Let's say Frank is is really bad the last two games. Even that's not going to be enough to probably not extend the qualifying offer to him. No, and the storyline for the Charlotte Hornets at the end of this season is. You've got certain players who things are starting to click for now. For Frank Kaminsky, it came after he basically said, play me or let me go. You know, I mean, and and he basically put all his chips on the table, bet it all, brisket it all, and he goes in there now he's playing well. Yeah, over the last three games, 16-plus field goal attempts, 46.9% from the field, 
35% from beyond the arc and doing it in the fourth quarter. I mean, he has been really, uh, you know, you've got Lamb hitting the big time shots against the Raptors, but apart from that, it's been Frank Kaminsky knocking down big shots late in games, taking the pressure off of Kimball Walker. 13 rebounds for him against the Raptors as well. Physical against, uh, you know, doing his best. Look, he's outmatched size-wise against Andre Drummond, but but he was down there. It, it took a team effort, but you never saw him completely give up on a play. And looking at some of the other guys real quickly, they got some minutes against Detroit. Nick Batum had an awful game, didn't contribute really at all, except maybe a couple of costly turnovers. It's funny, you'll look at the box score and you'll see a couple of turnovers from Nick Batum every game. It always seems like it should be more because they were so bad. We can go to that one at the end of the third quarter, I believe, where Nick Batum tries to get ahead and throws it at half court. And it's a costly one, but he's only got two turnovers in the game. Zero points for Nick Batum. We see these every once in a while from him. Yesterday was a bad one getting 25 minutes. Bottom line, the Hornets were playing better in that second half with Nick Batum off the floor than they were on the floor. And I'm watching all these guys, Walker, Dwayne Bacon, being able to drive quickly and finish at the rim now. I'm watching Jeremy Lamb being able to do what Nick Batum did He's gonna get in, so that, paid. in that playoff run where or in that playoff appearance for the Charlotte Hornets where, you know, Nick Batum was the guy hitting those fourth quarter shots. It's now Jeremy Lamb. I'm just seeing all these players at the wing position doing things for the Charlotte Hornets better than Nick Batum. It's going to be a very, I think, difficult offseason for them to figure out exactly how they want to manage that whole situation we can go back to our last podcast we talked about Zach Lowe's prediction that Nick Batum was not going to be part of this team anymore next season and we all wonder how exactly they're going to make that happen but then Nick Batum puts up a goose egg and gives you five rebounds only three assists a couple turnovers three fouls and that's the best that he can do in a game like that I just I just think the that the situation is going to be more desperate for Charlotte and the return might be far less than they expected when they were trying to deal him before but I mean you know things get crazy around the draft you get teams that are more willing to take on salary uh, that that soon will be expiring in order to get back assets so if the Hornets are willing to give up assets they can move this money if they'd like to I think make sure you catch us on the Himalaya podcast app we're on a bunch of different podcast apps but Himalaya is also the one that makes Doug sound a lot smarter so make sure you catch us right there we are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte if you're in sales and need help visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do and that's make more sales you got one more segment we'll be back right after the break this is locked on hornets one of the shots is godzilla just of course rising out of the sea ready to fight all the other godzilla monsters that are attacking earth and i was like oh it's frank kaminsky that's exactly what frank did he ferocious where has he been he just comes out of the ocean you made that. that was that was quite the sound it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. It's been fun to watch the development of some of these young guys, and it took a long time through the season before we got some real evidence that these guys were developing. Miles Bridges I think we've finally seen him take a next step at the end of the season where he's always been solid. I think he's had a better rookie year than I thought, and maybe even a lot of people. He's been he's been solid, been good the entire season. Maybe you've seen him take another step up. Certainly, you've seen it from Devontae Graham and Dwayne Bacon, and I think we credited that a lot to him bouncing up and down from the, uh, the Greensboro Swarm to the Charlotte Hornets. 
And so it's fun to get Joe Wolf's side of the story, the head coach of the Greensboro Swarm. And Rod Boone of The Athletic just did that himself. And he said, quote, uh, Joe Wolf, I should say, said, quote, I felt like Dwayne Bacon had to get through frustration. He was at a point in his career where he was frustrated. Once again, the reps and the ability to play through mistakes allowed him to free himself up from that frustration. And he found a better player and a player that the Hornets thought he could be. And I love that James Borrego told us, I think a couple of weeks ago when Bacon started to get implemented back into the rotation, that he made sure he kept in contact with those guys. He kept in contact with Dwayne Bacon, saying, you are a part of the process here. Devontae Graham, you are with us. This is just what's best for you right now. I love the Derek White story that I've referenced a couple of times throughout the season. I, it's cool to see Joe Wolf's side of things and him work with some of these professionals. And I'm sure for Bacon, who has had an opportunity with the Charlotte Hornets and an NBA team, that it was difficult to hear that message, right? It, it probably was frustrating to hear that message that, hey, yeah, kid, get relegated. No, I'm, I'm sure that's yeah. tough for a young guy. And so he had to, and this is a, listen, it's one of the most confident young players that I've had the opportunity to speak with. I mean, he just, exu- he knew that he was going to be great. And, you know, I think it's, it's tough for a guy like that to sort of step back and have to fight through some of the things that, that he wasn't able to do on the floor. And, and it seems like he's done that now. And, and, you know, these are the seminal moments for a player, whether it's Frank Kaminsky saying, pay me or let me go, whether it's Bacon just sort of making that decision, hey, I'm going to fight through this frustration. I'm going to fight through the, the, the issues that I have on the court right now and embrace my opportunity in Greensboro so that I can take advantage of things in Charlotte. And then he has that incredible play against Bradley Beal. And I'm telling you, I just I believe in – in one play or one sequence and, and its ability to turn things around. Maybe I believe in basketball magic in that way, and I think that moment for for Dwayne Bacon uh, was huge. Marvin Williams hasn't played or practiced since telling James Borrego after the loss to Utah he was too injured with a right foot strain to help. Based on what Marvin told Rick Bennell Sunday, he definitely won't play in Cleveland, and it's highly unlikely Wednesday versus the Orlando Magic. That's that tough. was a tweet from Rick Bennell, who covers the team, of course, for the Charlotte Observer, and so now we're talking about a lot of money not being put out there on the court. Certainly, we saw it when Nick Batum was sick and lost the eight pounds that he did Cody Zeller not playing can't imagine that he'll play it all the rest of the way you can't imagine Marvin Williams with that is going to be playing it all the rest of the way Tony Parker has been put aside the entire uh, final stretch so that's a lot of experience that's a lot of money yet it's probably better for the team for the future and right now which has been weird like I maybe not Cody Zeller Cody Zeller's the one guy that you put him in I think that's still a good basketball team or better than what they had been and Marvin maybe he's gotten old here as it goes but that's still a lot of experience, a lot of money off of the court right now, and neither of those guys are going to play. And listen, you have to hand it to Borrego for making this decision several weeks ago to go with these with these players, to, to take other players out of the rotation that, that make considerably more money and have been with the franchise longer or have considerable more experience in a guy like Tony Parker. And, and, and Borrego basically has been riding the hot hands and it has given the Charlotte Hornets a slim, but it exists, an opportunity to make the playoffs. Uh, more real than I think we thought it would be at oh, this totally. point, certainly with a couple of the big losses that they had. But it's difficult when you do look at those names, MKG, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller. These were all Rich Cho, general manager extensions, all 
in that group of players that if you took their contract versus the performance and looked at it just by itself, you go, that's a good deal. And then they kept piling those kind of deals one on top of the other. And that's what has restricted this franchise financially from being able to improve this roster. And maybe it's what prevents them from keeping Kimball Walker, and these players aren't even out on the court. It's, I think it's frustrating for fans to see these names continue to pop up on the injured list. Playoff scenario real quick before we end it here today. So Orlando and Brooklyn, they both win. Shouts to Clifford, man. man. Holy smokes. I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me angry. <laughs> so the best the Hornets can get now is the eight seed, where we had that fun little stretch where the Hornets actually could maybe get the six seed. Brooklyn wins, Orlando wins. So the best the Hornets can do is just get that final playoff spot. So here's what needs to happen. The Hornets need to win out, so that's non-negotiable. The Hornets need to win out and against Cleveland and Orlando, plus – you have to have the Detroit Pistons lose to either Memphis or New York. And the Hornets, again, 538 has them at a 12% chance to win the playoff or make a playoff appearance. And it does seem like that Detroit Pistons tiebreaker just might come in handy at the end of the season. I'm telling you, if Detroit shuts down Blake Griffin, then the Hornets are probably out of the playoffs. But if they keep playing Blake Griffin, I think Detroit has a chance to lose one of those games. Uh, but I, th- I think, I think my hair is safe for now. I still think Charlotte falls just short. I can't wait. I can't wait to see if we're going to be able to shave that off. And I don't know if I'm going to go with the clean shave or if we're going to do like the the embarrassing one where it's just like patches everywhere else. I probably oh, no, won't be that. I get, no, listen, I, I, I think I get the choice on that. <laughs> I guess so. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, or Himalaya Podcast app. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.